then all of a sudden that can manifest into a recovery. And you know, it kind of goes to that, that planting that seed of faith. If you can just show somebody that somebody loves them, that God loves them, then they can start drawing from that and get strength from it. Welcome to Behind My Journey, a podcast that is for our community. In today's episode, I sit down with John Fuquay. For John, his journey has always been about serving others. And as he has gone out into the world to do just that, he's found that helping others has served his faith. Welcome to this episode of the Behind My Journey podcast. My name is Quinn Eaton, and sitting with me is John Fuquay. John, how are you doing today? Doing well this morning. I appreciate you sitting down and uh, being willing to share your story. We've already kind of talked before we started recording. Uh, we've got a lot to get to in the 20 minutes that we have allotted, so I'm really excited to get into it. But um, where, where do you think we should start, John? Because you, you talked about a lot of different things in your life. Of course, how your parents met is an interesting story. Uh, whenever you gave, gave your life to Jesus, you were only 12 years old. And, and we're, we're going to try to get into a lot of these different things, but where do you think would be a good place to start? Maybe what you've been doing for a living? I think that's a good spot. Okay. And we'll wrap back down yes, to the beginning. Exactly. Uh, I've been blessed to have one job my entire life. Uh, in 1983, I was able to join a company in Paris, Tennessee that was in its infancy stages called Allegro Fine Foods. And I missed by one day working for that company 39 years when I retired six mm. weeks ago. And really, other than college and some basic work uh, that you do to pay your way through college, that's the only career job I have had. And everyone's familiar with the Allegro brand, the Marinade. I, I actually was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm sitting down with the person that's, that's somewhat responsible for the Allegro Marinade. So uh, if anyone's listening and, and has had that Allegro Marinade before, you're the person that kind of oversaw that, could you say? or I did everything there was to do at Allegro, but my claim to fame at Allegro is I was their sales manager. Gotcha. I'm the one that traveled all over the country and convinced people to put it on grocery shelves. <laughs> well, I think you did a great job. Um, so you did that for, you said, almost 39 years. Correct. You could probably round up and say 39. Uh, and then you've been serving at the journey, or at least going to the journey for 10 years. Is that correct? In 10 years would be a good, uh, I, I'm not exactly sure the first time I came to the journey, but, uh, and serving is a, is a good terminology. Uh, I've had a lot of positions at the journey and spent the majority of my time in the uh, Curris Center at 5.30 in the morning <laughs> doing setup work for about an hour and a half or two hours every Sunday morning. So now that we've moved into the new facility, you don't necessarily miss that, do you? I've got to find me a new spot, but I do not miss that at all. <laughs> and, you know, I've seen about all the pipe and drape go up that, yeah, uh, that, that one needs to see in their lifetime. And, and you mentioned that you've kind of worked with marketing for the Journey Church as well as uh, kind of overseeing the guest services portion of. I think I was right? the I think I was the director of guest services for two years, and then have talked to Matt on and off quite a bit about marketing, including some this morning. Awesome. But that's that's what I am as a marketing man. So I'm going to do that whether I'm responsible for it or not. Gotcha. So I think that that sums up. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about the mission work that you do as well as as we get into your story. But that kind of sums up. Uh, John in the present day. Right? Correct. But this is behind my journey. The journey kind of implies that this is this is the story of how you got to this point. So can you kind of explain how you became familiar with Jesus? Maybe how you even let Jesus into your heart uh, at some point during your life? I had some unique events that kind of molded the opportunity I had to become a Christian in that my dad was a lifetime military, served in World War II, 
stayed after the war was over in the occupation of Germany and met my mother. So my mother was a German war bride. Well, Dad was a uh, very devout Southern Baptist, and my mother had been raised Catholic. And I'm not sure they ever found their calling as a couple because uh, neither of them fit in the other's religion. Consequently, I didn't go to church a lot when I was really young. And, you know, it's one of the things that's awesome about here in Journey is how focused it is on youth. Mm -hmm. And I went to church because my neighbor was involved in the youth group of their church. So I went to church and said, wow, there's, there's more to this than I thought there was. And at the age of about 12, uh, they were having a, a, what I'll call a revival and a, a youth camp. And that's when I gave my life to the Lord. And, you know, it was, it was just an awesome event. It gave me a peace that I'd never had. And then the cool thing that happened out of it, because I became involved with the church, my mother and father started also attending that church. And I think we see a lot of that here. You know, when my granddaughter uh, knows two things in Murray, Kentucky, where you get a happy meal and where you go to church yeah. because she looks forward to Sunday morning coming and hanging out with her friends and, and going through the youth program at Journey. Wow, and that is a testament to how good the youth programs are here at Journey Church because as a kid, I remember being dragged to church. And I think that that's how it is for a lot of a lot of a lot of kids. Whenever they're first entering into their faith journeys, is it's not necessarily the most exciting thing, but the journey changes that. It kind of does a one eighty, and like you said, uh, she's excited to come to to Journey Church every Sunday morning. So, how important do you think that is? And and then also, do you kind of wish that there was something like that for you whenever you were a kid? Oh, it would have been awesome. But you know, I, I'm happy with the way it all turned out right. with me, yeah. and that some of my best friends wound up being the people that I were was in church with. And one of the cool stories on my my granddaughter, and she's eight years old now. This was when she was probably two or three. We took her to her first Murray State basketball game mm -hmm. at the CFSB Center, and she looked at me and said, "Why are they playing basketball at church?" <laughs> Yeah, that's, that, that was a confusing point for her mm -hmm. because that was church. I always thought that that was a unique experience because I would be at a basketball game on a Saturday night and then the next morning I'd be up and it was church. So definitely, yeah, a, a funny viewpoint uh, to share there because um, at, least, at least at that point in time, that was a great facility that served the journey. But now I am really excited to have this new building. And, and I know that a lot of people that have, that have come in here have also enjoyed that, especially the people that had to set it up like yourself, getting up at 5.30 in the morning. But going back to the whole uh, faith journey thing as far as you getting your start, 12 years old, you find a church uh, that you're connected in, and then your parents come to that church. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. So speak on that, because that's such a cool opportunity to be able to bring two people who I guess you could say weren't necessarily plugged into church, or at least not for a long time. How was it bringing them back as a young as a young man, only at 12 years old? Well, you know, it, there's a sense of pride there uh, that, hey, my mom and dad came because of something I did. Mm -hmm. And my mother, till, till she passed away, you know, 10, 15 years ago, was a, a nursery school worker, a Sunday school teacher, a youth group participant. And I mean, she bought in totally. And it was because she came that first time to a to a really good church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's kind of what it's all about. You know, we're the Great Commission is to lead someone uh, to have a relationship with their Heavenly Father, to spread the word of the gospel. And as a 12-year-old kid with no intentions whatsoever, that happened to me. And it's something now as a retired adult that I'm still proud of. Yeah, definitely. And 
I, I know that that's it's it's like your your faith journey became not only personal but you brought your family into it. So do you feel like that strengthened your faith, seeing the the fact that you were able to bring others into uh, that that religious space? Absolutely, and I think it kind of patterned my entire life because you know my wife is as uh, dedicated a Christian as as you will find anywhere, and. You know, there's, there's old cliches, the, the couples that pray together stay together, and there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's been a blessing to me, and to now see my, my granddaughter excited about it and my children here. And, you know, we even had a, two of our best friends show up here last Sunday, and it was a surprise to me. And here comes their grandson walking out. Got a little red solo cup that he's just tickled to death with <laughs> that he's made into a robot. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's just, you know, when you... It doesn't matter how a seed gets planted, a seed of faith. God will nurture it. And sometimes that seed of faith might be a little red solo cup and a four-year-old little boy that's turned it into a robot yeah. and wants to share it with everybody that he sees. <laughs> now that, that's really good. And, and how do you feel your life changed whenever you made that decision to place your faith in God? Because I know it's at a young age, but were you able to see like a difference whenever you made that decision? You have to go through stages of my life. Uh, I've always gone to church, and it's been a big part of my life. And as as I've described many times, I became the world's greatest Sunday morning Christian. I drove the church bus, turned the lights on, led communion, uh, was a, was an elder and a deacon in a, in a different church. But uh, when I joined the Journey Church, uh, it was because of contemporary worship and a youth minister that, that I knew that had told me I, I would really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So... I came out the first time and, and saw it. And because of the journey and some of the associations I've had here, and uh, you know, I have to mention my buddy Ron Malone, Ron invited me to go on my first mission trip about seven years ago. And we went with a group called Eight Days of Hope, an awesome group out of Tupelo, Mississippi. And that was a life-changing event for me because we spent a week helping people in need. And I think one of the greatest Christian things you can do is go in and help somebody that absolutely cannot do anything for you. That's Christian giving. And, you know, this was after a horrible tornado had gone through northern Mississippi. And we were able to work with two or three families. And it was at that point that I realized that Sunday morning Christian was easy. The real challenge was to be a Christian seven days a week. And I'm really glad that happened then because that was uh, before my granddaughter was born. And I feel like I'm a much better example for her today than I would have been had that not happened. You know, it's, it's about how you live your life seven days a week. And, you know, that old cliche of, of love your brother. And when you go out and someone's had a catastrophic event happen to them, like the tornado in Mayfield. You know, we spent a lot of time in Mayfield, right. you know, a month or so ago and actually talking about going back again. But some of those people are hopeless. I mean, they've had everything, their entire lives turned upside down. And if you can show them just a glimmer of hope, that somebody cares, then all of a sudden that can manifest into a recovery. And, you know, it kind of goes to that, that planting that seed of faith. If you can just show somebody that somebody loves them, that God loves them, then they can start drawing from that and get strength from it. And, you know, when you go into a neighborhood that a bad storm's gone through and, and one house starts cleaning up their yard, as that one's happening, you look across the street and there's somebody working on theirs. It's, it's contagious, mm-hmm. and especially when there's people there to help them. And how vital has that mission work been for you? Because I know that, of course, you said you've worked with Eight Days of Hope, um, and then you, you 
uh, work with a mission group in Murray, Kentucky, right? What we did, there's probably 20 or 30 people from this immediate area that have volunteered primarily with Eight Days of Hope. And we were, were sitting kind of reminiscing about some of it one day and an observation was made that we would drive 10 hours and cut a tree for somebody after a storm, but there's somebody on the other side of town that has that same problem. Why aren't we doing that here? Yeah. So uh, we, we with some really dedicated and good people, other volunteers, uh, and I can't take credit for the name, uh, but uh, came up with the uh, name Hope and Murray. And it's an act, you know, if you think of Hope and Murray and take the initials, it's H-I-M. Mm-hmm. And that's who we give the credit to is him. Right. But, uh, that's really good. you know, we were able to, the, the ice storm that hit here, what, three weeks ago, uh, I think we helped 21 different families uh, in both here and in Paris, Tennessee. Wow. Uh, so that's become a big part as well of, of what we do. Do you feel like the mission work is a huge part of you as a Christian? Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, I'm a pretty high energy person. I've had a good career and I, I talk fast and, and stay on the go. And we're able to get through a lot for the podcast. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the big plans I have for my retirement is, is to continue to do those things. And it just, the feeling you get after it, you know, my wife pointed out to me one time, I, I came home for a trip and I think I've been on 27 out of town mission trips. And uh, I came home one day just totally exhausted and, you know, was just questioning, you know, I'm just worn out. And she said, yeah, but you're so much better of a person. And, you know, when I went and did that, yeah, physically you were exhausted, but you'd come home so full of faith and so full of good feelings. And obviously what she was telling me is I was easier to live with. (laughs) So it worked out for both of you. Absolutely. Um, and, And I know that you mentioned before we started recording that, uh, doing all this mission work, or at least uh, the motivation to do it, kind of sort of came from a seed planted at the Journey Church, right? You said that you even used a word that you were upset uh, whenever you sat down for a sermon and Matt told you to, to get out and serve. Is that right? Well, it, it wasn't really a sermon. It was one of Matt used to do a, a meeting every year to recruit volunteers, mm-hmm. and I'd been asked to come to it. And Matt made a statement much to the extent of, if what you're looking for is to sit in a pew on Sunday morning, you're not going to be real happy here because we're going to push you outside of that. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, that's, that's a strong statement for a minister to make. So I stood up and volunteered. And the next thing I knew, this was back in the Curris Center. I was setting up chairs and uh, uh, doing a offering and several other things for, for the Journey Church. Awesome. I guess whatever you could do to help out in, in that capacity. So it just seems like throughout your entire life, you've been called to serve. Um, I, and, and I think that that's something that's really admirable. How do you feel like that's helped uh, your, your faith journey and also just you as a person, just serving so much? You've kind of spoke on it before, but I just think that's really interesting because you're doing all of these, this mission work. Uh, you, I guess, helped start uh, a missionary. So how, how can you speak on that and, and, and maybe even say that that kind of transformed your life or at least your faith journey? One word peace. When you go out and do those things and you meet people, you realize there's a purpose in life bigger than you. And it just gives you a feeling of of peace, of contentment in your heart. And you know that irregardless of of the situation somebody's in, there is help there. And of course, that help comes from, you know, as as I say in every prayer I try to say on the mission field, you know, uh, I hope that somehow, some way, what we do is a ray of light that shows somebody how great it is to have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we've, we've ran into several people that, that did not have that relationship that have come back later in the, in the mission in that week that we're serving or, or whatever time period was and say, you know, why are you doing this? And when you get that opening, that's when you have to trust God to put the right things on your, on your heart to say that hopefully we'll, we'll open up that door, plant that seed and that it'll get cultivated. Cause I know I, I've done some, uh, relief effort help, especially you mentioned whenever eight days of hope was helping in Mayfield. Absolutely. I volunteered two days out of that, which isn't a lot. Cause I know you've probably done a lot more than I have and they need a lot more help than just two days that, that I help serve. But there were people where we would help them and then ask to pray for them. And they said, no, I'm okay. Yeah. So do you feel like whenever you, whenever someone like that sees a group of people, of course, God-like people come and help them and then they turn away from, from that help or at least uh, kind of connecting to Jesus, is that, that's still not a loss, right? Because no. they, they, they saw the work that you put in. So that, kind of speak on that because that, that's an interesting thing that I've run into in, in relief effort and missionary work. That seed is planted just in what they observe. And, you know, I... I was talking to a young lady in South Carolina one evening and she really, young lady that lived by herself, remodeling her own house, working two jobs, and she needed help. And one of her neighbors had asked me to go talk to him because we were helping the neighbor. So I went and talked to her and went over what all we could do. And there was no doubt she needed the help and we could do it. And she said, and I was asking her to sign a release to let her let us come on her property. And she said, in all good conscience, I can't sign this. I feel like a hypocrite because I'm not a Christian. And I ensured her that we still wanted to help her. And she couldn't believe that. She said, no, you, you know, you're a Christian group. You help Christians. And I don't know where this statement came from. You know, I, I say that God puts words on your heart. Mm-hmm. I looked at her and we were having a great discussion about it. There was nothing tense there. I said, you know, if Jesus were here and walked down the street today, who would he walk up to, me or you? Me, the Christian mission worker, or her, the non-believer? And she said, well, you, you're a Christian. And I said, absolutely not. He'd walk straight to you. Mm-hmm. And that's true. That's absolutely true. That's what he was all about. And I, I like that multiple times throughout this interview, you've talked about how God places things in your heart to say, sometimes even uh, places things in your heart to do. And it feels like you've just kind of kept a, kept an ear and an eye out for what God is leading you to do, and you've done that. And I think that God speaks through a lot of different things, but one of the things that he speaks through is people. So who would you say are some key people in your faith journey that have helped you along the way and become the person that you are today? Well, you know, I have to make a confession. The reason I went to church that one time was a cute little blonde haired 13 year old girl that was going to church and I was a 13 year old boy and, yeah. and wanted to be around her. So that's what led me to church. But, uh, you know, in, in my journey, there's been two people. Uh, one of them was a guy named Tom Seipel. Tom wound up being a missionary in, in Nicaragua. He was a really, really good friend. Tom uh, lost his life to cancer last year, but had a profound, and he's the one that suggested I come to the journey church the first time. He said, that's what you're looking for. Of course, you know, Matt and Jared and Jordan have been awesome influences. You know, if, if people young as you guys are can influence an old man like me, but we're, we're going to say you can. But then the one that's, that's been the biggest one to me is Ron Malone. And Ron, uh, you know, I, I saw a picture painted of Ron one time, and it was titled The Volunteer. And I think that described him 
best. He's the one that, that bugged me to go on that trip with him the first time that uh, led us. And we actually had an entire youth organization from the Journey Church go with us. We had about 20 of us there. And it was just an awesome event. And Ron and I have traveled all over this country together. Uh, the only uh, disagreement Ron and I ever have is he's an old... Uh, 60s, 70s rock and blues fan. I asked him one time if his radio in his truck got country music, and he said, no, it doesn't. Don't ask again. <laughs> so uh, that's that's an okay thing to disagree on, though. Yeah. See, if that's the worst thing that you guys disagree on, then I'd, I'd say that's pretty we good. We were good. Yeah. And just sitting here thinking, if someone's listening to this episode today and is considering taking action that you took, so as that would even just be stepping into a church that... Uh, they might not be comfortable with, or volunteering, or even going on a mission trip, something like that. What would you tell them, and how would you, I guess, uh, I guess, encourage them to well, do those things? The first word is to do it. But the thing that happens inevitably, you go on something, whether it's here with the journey, or Eight Days of Hope, or Hope in Murray. You go with the purpose of blessing someone, and you wind up being the person that gets blessed. And that almost always happens. And I know that's a selfish reason for doing it, but you know, I think that's God's way of encouraging you to continue to do his work. Mm-hmm. You know, we're told to go love our neighbor and that's what we try to do. And this has just been such a great story. You've got a really interesting uh, journey and I, and I appreciate you so much for sitting down and doing this episode of the Behind My Journey podcast. John, thank you so much. Thank you for having me and that's my journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind My Journey. If you or anyone that you know would like to have your journey featured on this podcast, send us an email at podcast at journeycalloway.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if this message spoke to you, please help us spread the word and share it with others. Until next time, my name is Quinn Eaton, and this has been Behind My Journey.